0: This is the Winning Plays Podcast on the CLNS Media Network, the leading online provider for the NBA's winningest franchise. All right, special playoff edition of the Winning Plays Podcast is here. My name is Brian Robb, and boy, do we have a good one for you here, folks. We have not the Miami Heat, the Atlanta Hawks waiting for the Celtics in round one, opening up game one on Saturday afternoon. This episode of the Winning Plays Podcast is brought to you by FanDuel, the exclusive wagering partner of the CLNS Media Network. Head on over to Fando.com slash Boston to get your first no-sweat first bet. And with us here on the pod, Sean Grandy, the radio voice of the Boston Celtics, the sometimes TV voice of the Boston Celtics, who will be on the call with Max on Sports Sub starting at 3 o'clock on Saturday afternoon. Sean, how surprised are you? I guess I'll say how disappointed that you are now coming That's to the extent That's the
1: intro? I thought of Star of My Magnitude. Would I thought it would be a bigger intro? Did I go over the top? Was that too little? Be, I thought I um, I thought there would be more, like a musical entrance or something big. <laughs> like, to say like, this is the biggest edition of this podcast, we've never had anybody of this magnitude grace this stage before. Forsberg to the, shame the for sure. about to, But you know what? You do you do you. I guess it was I wasn't I wasn't shocked that it was Atlanta. I, I leaning Miami the same way everybody was. You know, we all participated by, by all. I mean, all the internet. Geeks who stay up late at night all participated in the hey who's it going to be and there's an 82 percent chance it's going to be this team because we never anything to do for a couple of weeks and you know, it was going to funnel down to these two teams anyway. I do think I did take great amusement at the fear, for lack of a better term, of Miami, and I know that came from past history and not people that actually you know watched Miami uh, the last, last couple of months. And I get it. But listen, if you're a Celtics fan and you have, say, a job or kids and a life, you're probably not watching a lot of Miami Heat basketball on uh, on late pass. But uh, I wasn't overall that concerned about Miami. And the bigger point with Miami and Atlanta, B-Rob, is this. If the Celtics struggle against Miami or Atlanta, and this is a seven-game series in the first round and skating to get by, then they aren't who we think they are, and they're not going to beat Milwaukee anyway, so – uh, I flash back to all the way back to the year 2022 when everybody was afraid of playing Brooklyn in the first round. The Celtics as a, to a man said, you know what? Hell with that. Let's get the two seed. We'll play who we play. And I think we know how that turned out.
0: I don't know, Sean. I mean, what about the 2008 Celtics? Pushed to seven games by the Atlanta Hawks. About, I mean, yeah. it's not that we're going to go there, but it's funny that the uh, we that this team should have it that much more together against this Hawks team to the point where are being like, yeah, this should, if this goes over five games, this would be a surprise.
1: You know, what's funny is that this team, the Celtics team, with the exception of obviously Brogdon and some of the new pieces, how many playoff minutes, how many playoff minutes, uh, forget their age, Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart, how many playoff minutes have they played and played together? The 08 team struggled, and I'm going to put an asterisk on that and circle back to it, but the 08 team struggled, Finger quotes for those of you watching the video. That with Atlanta, they had never played a playoff game together before. And it, everything had come so easy to them in the regular season. Looking back, should we have been as surprised? I mean, it had, was this fluke seven-game series the way it was the 1960 World Series with the Pirates and Yankees, right? With The Pirate, the Yankees would win their games 15 nothing, and then the Pirates would win by a single run. If you look back at the scoring differential of that series, I think the Celtics outscored Atlanta by like nine points a game, some crazy number even though it went seven games because Atlanta won three close games in Atlanta. What's amazing is that Celtics lost what their first six road games in the playoffs. Right, after going Detroit, yeah. 30, I think they were 31 and 10 in the regular season that year on the road. And then went 0 and 6, which by the way, just underscores how historically good last year's Celtics team was one of, if not, you can make a case that was the best road team. Wait for it in NBA history when you look at their record and margin of victory in the regular season and add the playoffs to it the celtics won eight road playoff games the hardest thing to do the celtics you're talking about 08 the greatest team ever blah 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 they won two road games two two or was it three they won the lakers, uh, two yeah, lakers two in detroit they and two in detroit one lakers yeah. three, three. three right that team won three road games last year team won eight <laughs> road games in the playoffs obviously still didn't win but that's how ridiculously
0: dominant they were and two elimination games on the road of of like yep. a game six and a game seven on the road yeah uh, yeah that's unprecedented stuff but yeah it is it is but you I think you nailed it like it, this is a series where with the heat everyone is was expecting that because they just know Jimmy Butler and Bam scare them over understandably so given what they've done over the last two or three years against the Celtics Spo versus Spo exactly Spo versus Joe like there is no question there like Spo is as scary as a head coach to match up against out of anyone in this league right now, as far as the postseason goes. But when you just, like I said, when you look at the heat this year, when you look at the fact they had Kevin Love was prominently involved at the end of the regular season there, and I think that kind of tells you the story in terms of, you know, how desperate Mm -hmm. they are. And now you look at this this Hawks team, and I don't know, Sean, like you watched that game on Tuesday night, and you just look at that roster now with Sadiq Bey there, and now you have Quinn Snyder. Like this is a team that understandably everyone thought was going to be like a, a four or five seed this year and not a seven team. Now I think with Snyder there, you can kind of see them maybe looking more like that team there. That's a team the Celtics should still beat, but they at least can certainly do some things offensively that not a lot of teams in the East outside of the the contender fold can, can do.
1: I don't think you're insulting the Hawks by saying I think people that think the Celtics are going to win the series, I think it could be short. I don't think you're insulting the Hawks. I think it's an indication that the Celtics were the best team in the NBA in the regular season. They had the best net rating. They had the best scoring margin. They were number two in offense. They were number two in defense. All these – they were – they put together a regular season profile of teams that go on to win the championship. doesn't mean they will. It just means that they did. Of course, they did last year in the second half too and obviously came a few games short. But it's a bad – like for most teams – It's a bad matchup for Atlanta because they can score. Of course they can score. But if the Celtics are cooking offensively, as we saw in the regular season games, it should be be difficult. Obviously, to what degree. When the Celtics win the rebounding battle, you can't beat them. So that, to me, is the key number in the series. If Atlanta with Capella and Collins, if they can end up coming up with some big rebound margins the way they did against Miami, that's where they're going to win games in the series. But if if the rebounding is close, the series won't be.
0: I agree. So like based off of that, and I, this is something, I guess more of the playoffs wise, I want to get your big picture on since we're, we're, we're not going to look totally ahead here, but I think it's important to look at just the, the complexion of this team now as they're healthy now heading into the postseason. So my question number one here is like starting in this series, I, you expect them a, do you expect them to, you know, start small as they have been for the majority of the year at this point? And B, as this postseason goes on, do you expect them to kind of stick to that? Do you think that is going to be the group that they that Joel rolls with, with Al at the five and Derek White to start games as long as he can? Or do you think they will if eventually make a shift back to the the Rob Al double big look, depending on opponent or just depending on maybe out of the gate here? I don't know.
1: I think it's gonna depend on opponent, but I think you're sticking with the main with the primary starting lineup because Again, if you put together the best profile of any team in the NBA, and you have the best regular season, and this is the starting five you used. There's no real reason to change it. And by the way, it's not people get too carried away about the starting lineup. If it's not working, guess what? It's not you know, like you can't put Rob in. It's not like soccer, right? right? Once you put Rob in and make a substitution, you can't change again. So Rob's sitting right there, um, and amazing. I tweeted, I tweeted this one out the other day that Rob for the Celtic fans that were hoping that the Celtics would bubble wrap him. This year, so we didn't get hurt. Rob Williams finished fiftieth in minutes played. No, hundred fiftieth in minutes, but no, three hundredth in the NBA in minutes played. Three, uh, two hundred ninety nine dudes played more minutes this year in the league than Rob Williams did. Include almost, by the way, Luke Cornett. Rob played twenty more minutes than Luke Cornett this year. So, if you wanted him fresh and healthy, that certainly worked out.
0: And that is. I think just the biggest factor right now as far as you compare this year to last year. And you I mean, beyond personnel, Derek White's more comfortable. Malcolm Brogdon is uh, obviously a huge weapon coming off the bench, but we haven't seen Rob Williams healthy in the postseason for what three, four years now. Like you go last year, he was never there with the knee. Two years ago, he was out by you know, he's playing on what the the, the toe situation against the nets blocking eight shots, but can barely move there. Just having this guy being able to be controlled like that from a a minute standpoint all no, you're longing for the team to still get the second best record in the league I guess that kind of just shows the the strength and the depth that Brad Stevens put together and how you know well lined up here that to they are to just play whatever they way they want any given night
1: Rob is not the best player on this team but simply go back to last year when the Celtics put together the most as dominant a run as I have ever seen Outlast outplaying, outperforming statistically and in all all other ways, the 08 team for that 30, 35 game stretch. Rob Williams was healthy. The night he got hurt was the night the Celtics finished their climb from 11th in the east to the top spot in the east. And from that point on, the Celtics were good, but they were never dominant again the way they were for that 35 game run. And what did that coincide with? Coincided with Rob Williams getting hurt, well, being completely healthy, and seeing dogs go crazy. Win. Just, discussing the <laughs> the
0: best down. Just discussing the idea brings the best out.
1: Just discussing the idea. Are you concerned about Rob in the playoffs, buddy? Is that what it is? Well, we're safe here. Um, you know, that said it you need all the pieces in place, but Rob's role it's more like you can't really substitute for what Rob does because there aren't a lot of guys in the league that
0: do what Rob does. No right now for, I guess the, the whole rotation seems to be relatively set. We think it is with, if Rob's coming off the bench, Brogdon's coming off the bench, Grant, I presume would be coming off the bench. Who do you see emerging as a potential wild card for this team? I guess even in this series of the, the post it there are options. Everyone, I think it's had their moment as far as a deep bench this year. You got Pritchard Pritchard putting up triple doubles in the last game of the year. We know Sam has well, really seemed to find uh, a shot again. Like
1: I'll say that I'll say this one. I'll say what we've been saying. Max and I have been saying I've been saying it for a while. Blake Griffin's going to win the Celtics playoff game somewhere. There and you know, go. Where, you know where I don't know if it's going to be in this series. If it happens, if we're just all looking ahead, but that's what we can do. I guarantee you, Blake Griffin is going to take a charge on Giannis at some point. That's going to become an important point in one of those games. I mean, he's just been too He's been too valuable. He's been too, like, at, at certain spots. Think about the beginning of the year uh, when the Celtics were winning. The Celtics had that great start on back-to-back games. why they have that great start on back-to-back games? Blake was starting all those games. Al didn't play once. Blake was the fifth starter, right? He was, like, the, the junk-balling fifth starter that you call on to pitch the day game after the night game, and he played all those back-to-backs and the Celtics won those games early in the year, and, uh, you know, I think those are the things that are going to happen. Brogdon's going to win a playoff game with the Celtics at some point. And this is, I think, what the scary part, instead of being afraid of other teams, maybe other teams should be afraid of the Celtics because you're looking at, man, Derek White and Brogdon and all these people you name who could win you a playoff game. And we haven't even talked about Tatum and Brown and Al Mockett having the best, you know, one of the best 36-year-old three-point shooting seasons ever. And you know, by the way, a playoff Al. Is line and wait, I don't do this like hot take theater stuff, as you know, uh, but I did come up with one that I tweeted and said on the air, which is you watch mark my words. How's going to shoot more free throws in the playoffs than he did in the entire regular season, <laughs> because his game is going to change to what is necessary when, you know, when, when the time comes.
0: I mean, the man knows I didn't really look at that number closely during the, 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 the regular season. So just now 21 free throws. That's 21. that's a guy 21. And as far as like, and it wasn't even like he, you could do count the number of post-ups he had all year against guys, his size, maybe on one hand. And that's just smart. That's just smart. Like you said, it's like, that's a 36, 37 year old knowing how to be like, okay, how do I save my body? How do I make sure I'm ready to go? Like, I'm not going he, he to,
1: was, I was doing one of the TV, I was doing TV in Dallas in the game in January in Dallas. And he got fouled in the paint shooting. And we were going to commercial. And I said, don't go anywhere because you're about to see history. (laughs) He went, there's the OKC home game, right? Middle of November. And that Dallas road game was January 6th, maybe somewhere around there. Uh, He didn't shoot a free throw between those two, those two marks that ended a streak of like hundreds of minutes that Al played without attempting a free throw. uh, When he got, he took those free throws in Dallas. So, uh, he absolutely had, he, if you wanted Al and Rob bubble wrapped throughout the course of the season, you got it. And then people will say, well, you don't want Jason Tate to play all those minutes. And then if he misses a game for Deuce's birthday party, then people are going to go crazy about that. But that's, that's the nature of the beast, right? People just go indiscriminately crazy on social media. How much complaining and concern, vitriol, tension, all of it was aimed at the Celtics throughout the course of this year. And they were the best team. Like imagine if they had not had a good year. Imagine if they had been Dallas or Toronto or one of these teams that really like underperformed. The remarkable thing about the Celtics year was that in August, people thought Boston would be the best team. And then you had the trilogy hit, Gallinari injury, Rob Williams injury off the first half, and then the unthinkable two days before training camp. And everybody – Jumped off the Celtics bandwagon, and rightly so. What happened? They were the best team anyway, about the course of the year. And, the, you know, the record is the record, and Milwaukee got home court. And that's great because <laughs> I thought Joe had a great answer because he said, but I've been saying the whole time, what happened? What happened to the team? Well, somebody else won 20 in a row. <laughs> that's what happened. You know, Milwaukee had that crazy run, and Milwaukee was, but they won more close games than yeah. the Celtics did. And the Celtics, everyone points to Houston, right? Because it's recency bias. Oh, the Houston game. They lost the Houston game and that game in Utah, whatever. To me, I can't help but feel, I feel instinctively, I go back to those three home games at Christmas that started that homestand, the two Orlando games. Like Orlando's, yeah. And the Indiana game. That That's to me, it's like those are the games that were kind of like, you know, there was definitely a little, and it's hard to maintain for 82. But that was the little clubman vacation in there that, Cost him the number one seed and doesn't matter. I mean, I think they demonstrated in that game in Milwaukee at the end of March that maybe it doesn't matter.
0: Well, I think I mean Joe Mazzula kind of screwed himself over here because starting out twenty one and five. I think that's when you look at the, the big picture here, it's okay. like they looked so good out of the gate that they the impossible expectations. No.
1: You're saying he screwed himself. What if they had started thirteen and thirteen?
0: then he's not the permanent so, head coach. So he
1: doesn't know what he's doing. <laughs> it's a disaster. So there was it was almost no choice but to start. And by the way, teams that lose in the finals, not unusual. Or right, they have somebody to play for when the team won in 08. They were told coming back, well, you're not going to do that again. You're not going to do that again. And the 08 team, both Garnett and all those guys said, really? And by the way, that was Paul Pierce's best year. It was 09. And Garnett was dominant. They said, really? We're not going to do that again. And they were even better. You know, a 27-2 start. And so they were just locked that you can't, it's like going up by 20 in the first quarter. Everyone knows now. When you go up by 20 in the first quarter, nine times out of 10, you don't then go up by 30. The, the league comes back. And that's how 82 game seasons work. And we're in the load management era, and you gotta look at things differently. Not, you know, total points versus uh, points per game. I may, I may, may have trolled the trolls by throwing some fish food into the tank on that just to watch people lose their freaking minds over that but it was a it was a fun discussion if uh if nothing else like that whole thing it was just it was so hysterical because i i'm pretty much i'm a total total person and the reason i've been pushing that this year is because i think we have to we have to start thinking differently about the nba and the load management era that we have to put much more value on the actual accomplishment and not what somebody did per game or per minute they were in there. That's why I threw the Giannis thing in there. I'm like, all right, Tatum led in total points. Tatum scored, was the, scored more than anybody else. Embiid scored more points per game. Giannis scored more points per minute. So for the people who are saying, hey, it should be per – I said, well, what about Giannis? Because he, he scored more points per minute. But first of all, Embiid's the MVP. He should be the MVP. I hope he is all the above. But I think we have to start looking at totals. If for no other reason, then guys aren't playing eighty games anymore, and it really, really does matter. But what I found, what was interesting, is the people that were losing their mind about points per game. The only argument, what's the only argument you think I that I saw online for all the people that went crazy, B Rob? What's the argument for points per game determining the scoring champion? It's so the same thing all and over. <laughs> what I got, what I saw was well, that's the way it's always been done. And that might be the worst mm. answer ever for anything, not just that yeah. for anything, because it's the way it's always done, because <laughs> things would be a little bit different in the league if they were done. And in baseball and other sports, if we always did them the way they were done. Um, but it started, it started with me to think about Aaron Judge last year, and Aaron Judge didn't lead baseball with 0. 0.42 home runs per game. And by the way, people are saying, well, baseball still uses batting average. That's not the right comparison because we still use shooting percentage and right. three-point field goal percentage. But someone says, "Well, would you rather? Should we not use batting average and like hits? Should we use total hits?" I said, "Well, I'm in favor of total hits versus hits per game."
0: Yeah, that's just not, hits not per game. Talk, like no, no, it's right. You couldn't hear that once ever about it. it. Doesn't
1: it doesn't mean anything? Every other sports goals per
0: game hits. for hockey, like
1: right, absurd, yeah. absurd. Hey, Connor McDavid scored point. What? Well, no. Pasternak, which I guess shouldn't be on the power play until uh, Pasternak scored what, 0. 0.74 goals per game? No, he scored 60. So uh, I I didn't mind in this case being sort of a disruptor in that there's nothing wrong with looking at things differently because things change and things evolve. And people want to make it partisan because that's what we're all trained to do right now. Like I somehow, that was an anti-Joel Embiid thing. It's absurd. He's the MVP. No one is anybody suggesting Tatum is in the top three? In MVP? He's not. But as far as I'm concerned, he should be the scoring champion because he scored more points. It's a good way to determine the champion.
0: (laughs) Well, it's hopefully we'll see the NBA. the player association obviously want to see more games played when it comes to recognition. And I think this is maybe a crusade that hopefully will last a few more years, and hopefully, we get uh, a few more people coming to the side that probably honestly makes a lot more sense when you look at yeah. as far as a guy's value and just the uh, that type of a title for the league. But, um, all right, let's uh, let's go here. Do you? What is your not biggest concern? What is your biggest question about this team heading into the postseason right now? What is what is the thing you're you're most intrigued by? Whether it's Joe in the postseason, whether it's closing crunch time lineups like what what sticks out to you in terms of like what what intrigues you in terms of how this group can handle a certain situation or a certain strategy
1: well i think they're going to be dependent on let's, they're going to be bad shooting nights and i really throughout the course of the year became a little tired of when they would they'd win seven in a row then they would lose a game in which they went nine for 35 right from three And people would say, oh, they're too dependent on the three. Live by the three, die, but they'll never do anything shooting like that. They just won seven games in a row doing that. Like, you know, I I think I was big. Scal and I were kind of big early in the year on this, on where the threes come from. Like, are you getting the paint touches first? Because that, that was a big thing that we would even have debates with the coaching staff about, about, you know, the ball touching the paint and the ball moving and where the threes come from. But there's going to be some bad three-point shooting nights. That's going to happen. And if it's bad enough, it's going to cost the Celtics playoff games, and that will happen. So I I think the concern is probably more what we can't see right now. The concern is an injury that when we look back in history, we remember, oh, yeah, game two in Atlanta when so-and-so got hurt. Or this could happen to Giannis. This could happen to – you never know, right? I I always – go over this conversational track because I had this conversation with somebody on opening night, 2017. And said, what do you think of the new season? It's about to start. I said, well, this is what I think will happen, but something big is going to happen that we don't have any idea. And five minutes later, you know, into the first game is the Gordon Hayward injury that obviously changed Celtics history, certainly. So uh I, I don't have a ton of concerns. I think the Celtics are the best team. I, I picked Milwaukee last year for most of the year. And I still think, I've said, this is what I said. We had this conversation October 13th that we're having six months later. If the only team that I can see beating the Celtics four times is Milwaukee. I think they're the only team that can do it. I think Phoenix for this, and the Suns are going to be a trendy pick and a popular pick. And I get it. That starting lineup is awesome. I am of the belief that the players the Suns need to win the championship. And by that, I mean beat Boston or Milwaukee. They traded to Brooklyn to get Durant. If you give me that team with Bridges and Johnson. Oh, yeah. Forget oh, it. yeah. But I don't. I think they're still.
0: Do you like them getting out of the spots. West, though? I was going to ask you next. Like, what, what's your West pick here? Like, do you?
1: I, I I think it'd be. I think Phoenix is a smart pick. But here we are talking about guys slipping on banana peels and the stuff we can't predict. How? I mean, we, we think Kevin Durant's going to play every game in 38 minutes a game. Because if he does, great. That's awesome for everybody. But based on history. 50 50 shot probably at this point. Yeah. I love the I love the West that the West is a dumpster fire or wide open. However, he is great. Um, you know, the the, like, the Lakers are legit to make a real run out it. Obviously they got Golden State in their bracket now. Um are, is everybody trending towards Golden State the same way Celtic fans were afraid of Miami, that they're not really watching Golden State play this year? I don't know. It's safe, right? Miami being trouble is a safe thing to say. Golden State being a pick in the West, that's a safe pick because they've been there before. But watching this, are they suddenly going to start being a dominant road team after being horrific on the road all year? Like there are reasons these things happen. But again, major health, it, Steph, Durant, Tatum, Giannis, and Bede, Are all of these guys going to be play every game and play 40 minutes a game? Or is somebody going to get hurt that's going to change the history? Probably
0: feel the best about Tatum on that list in terms of the guys you know is going to stay healthy, yeah, or at least knows. Tatum and Giannis. I mean, Giannis seems to be, yeah. especially in the playoffs, is one who's just able to play through almost anything. And um, but yeah, like when you look at it is it, it's a it is just wild to me though for the the East, the juggernaut is, is like if the Celtics are arguably going to have to beat the two best teams in a league before you even get to the finals.
1: You can make a case that Cleveland, by the way, is the fourth best team. Sure, the three best teams are certainly in the East. Cleveland's in that conversation for
0: fourth. It is. It's you wonder if that would, you know, from a matchup standpoint with Milwaukee. I'm really curious to see, assuming they get by the next, which I expect them yeah. to do with with Randall beat up here. Like, what kind of challenge will they give the Bucks in the second round? Like, are they able to take a couple games there? Is like what was we know what Mitchell can do. What can Garland do with like a real yeah. supporting cast around him?
1: If the Celtics beat Philadelphia in the second round, you know they're gonna fire Doc. And he he got the third best team in the league with a team. Did the Sixers win loss-wise? Did they overachieve or underachieve? They certainly didn't underachieve. No. With the bench they have and the way they played play the and load management and things like that, I mean, do we think James Harden? Is James Harden from – is MVP James Harden? No. By the way, that game Embiid had against the Celtics, that wasn't an outlier. There were a lot of nights this year. Embiid went berserk, and the Sixers won by two or three. Right. They're not that good. Doc got them in. With the, they're the third-best team in the league with all their flaws. But – this is the, Listen, the West has had this for a lot of years, so they've had all the best teams. Now the East is going to have to deal with it, and the Eastern Conference champion is going to, you know, the Celtics, again, are going to have to beat the third best team and, and the best team just to get to the finals. Well,
0: we will be listening to you the whole way around. Now tell us the plan for – the playoffs for you here. You're going to be on the call on the radio side. Are we going to hear you on TV at all? Is this game? Is, it, is there a plan? Is there a plan? Yeah. Uh, is there is a plan there, for what,
1: this? Is there any news on this today? Was I, I things, listen. To, things uh, things tend to kind of pop in,
0: up. I'm just I'm just curious much. if you're in the loop on this or not.
1: Well, the, the I, I'm I'm not really sure who's in the loop. I don't think the dog is in the loop. Uh, the the plan was that essentially i used up all the TV games that I was going to do this year. Uh, my role this year on TV, as I've try to tell anybody he would ask is to keep anything I can do to keep Mike's run going. If I took some heat off him by doing 25 games this year and he didn't have to travel, that was the goal. Obviously we ran into a little situation here where we thought Mike would be good and ready to go for uh, Atlanta for game three and game four. That didn't happen. So I was, I'm committed elsewhere. So you're going to get some John Wallach. Also, we had to gamble on the schedule too. If you remember last year, The Brooklyn series. We played Saturday, Monday down there, and you never really know. You have to make commitments. So uh, I have an event. Showtime had an option on me that they exercise for next weekend. So uh, I could not slide over and do TV. And that's what happened with uh, the games this week. And I think the the big picture is that you're going to get everybody (laughs) and some different combinations. And I think B Rob, what I would say about this year was what we learned, what we knew all along, which is that between me, Mike, Scal, Max, Eddie, Abby, we're all one big interchangeable
0: group. All a team you right can,
1: there. Yeah, you can make it work. And that's that's the whole point. You can I, I, Abby's done games with me on radio. Obviously, I've done games with Scal or Eddie on TV. Abby can play any part. Max in years past has gone over to, to TV. He did a game with Scal this year. So I think we're I'm pretty pleased and psyched about our little broadcast family and our ability to uh, be – interchangeable, not unlike, this is, we're, we're the Brad Stevens group, right? We're just all <laughs> interchangeable. We're positionless. We're just, just interchangeable. Very deep. Uh,
0: very deep. Team. Very versatile. No. It's so a whole bunch
1: of Derek White's.
0: It is. High net ratings. Um, all right. Well, be, well, first round, you'll get the local call of the Celtics all postseason long, luckily, with Sean and Max, so be tuned for that. You can get the local call on TV as well, um, on NBC's it's Boston in the first round. Sean Grandy at Sean Graney, PPP on Twitter. This is Tab Aven. Thank you for joining us on the Winning Plays pod. Hopefully we'll catch you if we can get you out of your busy schedule down the line here this during this postseason run.
1: Just trying to get your views up, man. That's what I'm here. It. Just a little... A little Morris oh, Ferguson dragging oh, us down. Sprinkled on your, your corner of the world. <laughs> All right. Thanks, Sean. You got it, man.